Welcome to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke. Cycling news, commentary, analysis from Northern California. Today, coming up, you have USA Cycling announces the national championship locations and dates for 2019. Valverde warns never to speak ill of the dead. Velo News poses some dumb questions to Sagan. Garrett Thomas gets his two defiance trophies swiped. Quickstep gets a financial savior. And top riders without a job for 2019 will list at least the top seven. Things that make you go, hmm, and whatever else comes into my mind as we uh, take care of this program. All right, so once again, thank you for joining us. Getting out of the summertime, we kind of into the winter, we're going to be doing some different different topics, kind of some things of interest, some weird news and notes. Of course, covered the world tour and obviously the local scene. Speaking of which, the local scene, a lot of masters racers out there, especially in Northern California, we have a lot of world championship champions. We just saw, I think, Larry Nolan, uh, Jeremy Cattell, um, Kevin Metcalf in track nationals all getting world championships. I think Nolan got one, uh, but I do know the other two did. So congratulations to them. And maybe we'll get, maybe we'll try to, uh, we talked to Larry Nolan before back at Chico and uh, let's try to see if we can get a hold of any of these other guys coming up in the year and talk to them a little bit. Obviously, Jeremy was one, Jeremy Cattell of um, Die Endurance. We race against him. Great guy, good, strong rider, well-deserved. So congratulations all around. So speaking of which, though, we have Nats coming up, uh, uh, Masters National Champ, actually the National Championships for for all the divisions. USA Cycling just announced them. I'm going to go through and read a few of those before we get to some of the more exciting topics uh, on tap, which I kind of referenced at the beginning. Um, Any of you do BMX? All right, so if you don't do BMX or if you do do BMX, we've got BMX Nationals. They announced those March 29 to 31. Those are going to be in South Carolina, uh, April 4 to 5 of the collegiate ones in DeSoto, Texas. So if you got BMX on your uh, calendar, yutch. I know you used to do BMX, so uh, maybe you'll get back into that. The collegiate might be out of your range, but uh, some of those other ones. Road, uh, May 10 to 11, um, to 12. Collegiate Road Nats will be in Austin. Augusta, Georgia. I know that's where uh, Masters Nats were this last year. So that'll be uh, probably the same course I would imagine there. June 20, 23, uh, Amateur Roads in Maryland, Hagerstown. Uh, June 27 to 30, uh, USA Cycling Pro Road Nats are going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, July 2 to 7, USA Cycling Junior and Elite Track Championships in Carson. That's where they just had Masters Nats. July 2 to 7, uh, I think that's the one I just read off. Okay, July 23 to 28, USA Cycling Mountain Bike Nationals. So this is under the road, but it's not road, in Winter Park. Uh, I've actually done, you know, one of the few times I did mountain bike racing back in the 90s, um, I did a Winter Park uh, mountain bike race. Uh, basically, start at the bottom, end up like a three-tier going up, down, up, down, up, down until you hit the very top, and then it's all downhill coming back. And I think I was like fifth. I was pretty proud of that. Other than I led the top uh, going over the top, I was in the lead and uh, I do not have the descending skills of these other guys and uh, eventually put it into a tree. So um, got that. Anyway, good memories of Winter Park. Also good uh, snow skiing we've done up there. August 8th through 11, USA Cycling Masters. So this is where the road in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, personally, I'm kind of excited about this. I think I'm going to um, get on a weight loss diet. 
get it, uh, I've ordered a new bike up as well. So we'll, we'll do all kinds of stuff in preparation for Colorado Springs. Be interesting to see where they have that there. I know Garden of the Gods is a typical uh, venue that we've had uh, previously for the road race. So it will be fairly interesting. Obviously, it's elevation there. You might have to prepare for that. There's also, I want to call it, I think it's the Black Forest. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was more... Uh, east of town and it was uh, some hilly range it wasn't in town but it was outside of colorado Springs, so they have a lot of good cycling you can do there and um anyway uh, some 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 good prospects there end of august or middle first part of august august 8 to 11 august 27 to 21 we have track nats which just like i said just happened carson uh september 12 to 15 collegiate track nats in rock hill south carolina October 18, Durango is holding the Collegiate Mountain Bike Nationals in December 10 to 15 Cyclocross Championships, which will be in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I'm not sure where it is for 2018 this year. Uh, maybe I'll have to get on that. You know, they just did have um, starting up Cyclocross. Sacramento had some some races. Uh, didn't really look into the results, but uh, we'll do that and try to get out to some race, uh, some some cross events as well. They just had rodeo. They have rodeo nats. It's like in the Folsom rodeo grounds uh, every wednesday night um try to get out there actually for some of that as well all right so let's go to some of the world tour interests uh notes of interest you know um and we'll get to uh, where quick step just came about kind of saving their uh, i think they were going to they got a sponsor on board they've kind of started to save their season somewhat for next year but i think um some of the riders there was a possibility of losing gaviria and Enric Mas. we'll we'll get to that but here's some other writers that i just was looking at today uh saw an article on top seven writers without a contract for 2019 uh wout van art uh verandic wellens creeling um he backed out of, they had a merger and chris and i had talked about that previously that was kind of his one of his interest topics of interest three-time belgian cross world champion he is currently without a title or, or contract for the next year i'm sure he's going to get one for me it's just a even with the diminished market that you've kind of had for him, it's all about really who you're going to be with. And maybe he's got some legal issues with trying to back out of the, the previous contract. Huge talent. Maybe he's fed up with the road of world and he just wants to go into uh, cross and just do that. You know, these guys, the solo riders uh, do quite well. This is the, him as a, as a world champion. So we'll see where he's at. Connor Dunn, uh, previously with Aqua, Aqua Blue. Easy for me to say. Former Irish road national champ. Signed a cheer extension with Aqua Blue. I obviously know contract now for 2019 but according to the team manager we had talked about that previously he said he was going to honor the contracts that were in existence uh, i know larry warbass has signed with i want to see fdj um, and there was another one that was under contract he signed with someone else as well uh, but connor dunn is he's super tall as well um, anyway he's, he hasn't had anything but i think he will be okay ben swit and be okay financially he'll be able to have something but you know these guys are still young. They want to be uh, riding and, and being on a team. I was glad to see Larry Warbass actually stepping back up this next year to a world tour team, being at the continental level with Aqua Blue and their hopes, but that's obviously been dashed. Ben Swift, the UAE team Emirates uh, sprinters, had some close races. Uh, San Remo, I want to say, a few years ago. Milan ran San Remo. Um, this last year, he also had a pretty nasty wreck in Flanders, hurt his back, and I think that really diminished his chances. There's rumor he might be signing up with Sky again, who he'd been with, uh, but he's out without a contract. Mark Renshaw, Bernie Eisel, both with Dimension Data, they're getting up there in age. They've been with Cavendish for around 10 years. Uh, they're kind of his leadouts, kind of. They totally are. 
Cavendish has now just signed with Dimension Data, so there's that prospect of them coming back on board, I would imagine, as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they actually can get that connection at their age. And with Cavendish's kind of diminishing sprinting this last year, if they actually think that that's something that this team would want. Because if, 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 uh, if Cavendish was still winning races like crazy, then you're going to bring his guys on, even if they're they're kind of getting in the waning years of their cycling. I mean, Bernie Isles 37. Uh, anyway, we'll see about him. Darwin out at Puma, UAE Team Emirates, 30 years old. He was set up to help Aru and Martin in the Giro and the Tour. Uh, Aru really was a bust this year, um, also in the Vuelta for him, but Atapuma didn't do that. Uh, in the Tour, I didn't see Atapuma much at all. He's kind of been one of those breakaway guys. He's almost won stages. He's won stages of other races. Um, Joe Dombrowski has mentioned that he's one of the worst guys to be with in the break. I'm not sure why, but I think they had a little issue before he kept attacking Joe when he shouldn't have been. Uh, anyway, he's without a contract. Uh, he had been with BMC for multiple years. He signed a, a deal with the UAE, and they just haven't given him anything. Tony Martin with Katusha. Now, it's previously been reported that he was going to Lotto Yumbo. Uh, I didn't see anything official from the team and or him, so I'm not sure what's going on with that, but obviously the uh, gentleman that has previously been quite the stalwart uh, former world champion on the time trial he's kind of been losing it I mean losing it he still gets you know top sevens or so um, but not quite the writer that he used to be so there's look there's those are some some decent ones and then you've got some other ones that I didn't mention in here that um, uh, Peter Stetna I haven't still haven't heard anything from him you know American that actually made the world's team but can't close down a contract for him, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't want to go to a Conti level team. They want to stay at the World Tour. And if they're not going to do that, it's probably not worth it for them. So uh, we'll keep an eye on all of those guys and good luck to them. All right. Garrett Thomas won the Tour de France. And Pinarello then goes on this tour showing their bikes and, and uh, paraphernalia. And one of the items uh, was the Team Sky's, the Grand Tour trophies. They loaned them out to Pinarello. This really little uh, police investigation has been launched after Garrett Thomas' Tour de France trophy was stolen from the cycle show in Birmingham. Team Sky has loaned their Grand Tour trophies to Pinarello to display at the NEC in Birmingham last month. But during the cleanup, someone swiped the trophy. So they have security, but they don't do it during the whole uh, presentation, I guess. The team was then said the award was momentarily left unattended. Yikes. And was stolen. Police are investigating the crime. Uh, unrelated, uh, Chris Froome has been tweeting that he has some extra Tour de France trophies to uh, unload. I don't know if that's got anything to maybe was he was he at the NEC? Anyway, that's never fear though, because Lance Armstrong is on it. He had tweeted out saying to Garrett Thomas, "Hey, um, I've got seven I can loan you." So you know, if you think that Lance isn't one of those guys that has turned it around and he's really heartfelt and and feels the empathy. I mean, this, I think, proves it all. So until the one would be found, he would just loan it out. Why don't you just say you're going to give him? You have seven. You don't You don't need seven. I don't even know what you're doing with him. All right. I had mentioned me that I'm going to go on uh, some sort of a weight loss program. Uh, basically, it's what I think about doing all year long, kind of a prepubescent or a, a high, high school teenage girls eating problems that I should uh, get into so I can start losing weight for cycling. Sagan, too, is saying he's too fat. Uh, Peter Sagan came out previously uh, last week and said he was too fat to win worlds. Now, just recalling this from memory, I'm trying to think of was he, I, I don't remember if he had stated, I, I think he had just basically stated that he was either 
too fat for the course or maybe he wasn't in good enough shape. And I think it might have been both. You look at how he did at the Vuelta and also Greg Van Avermaet, who's a similar type of rider, um, didn't wasn't able to be there at the crux of it uh, when it came down to it at the Worlds. And then how Peter Sagan had kind of raced at Vuelta leading up to it. He probably wasn't as fit as he should have been or could have been. You know, he'd had a bad wreck too in the Vuelta. Uh, not to mention the fact that that's just a really tough course. So maybe that's what he meant about that. However, this all set up, uh, I saw in Vela News, uh, they then post an article with the headline, Sagan, no interest in chasing Tour de France GC win. And the article stated, uh, this is from Sagan in there, who knows what's going to happen to me, Sagan told the Telegraph when asked if he would lose weight to challenge the top riders like Sky's Chris Froome and Garrett Thomas at the Tour de France. If I lose weight, am I still going to be strong? I might not be the man I am. Maybe I will lose what nature made me. My feeling is, why change something that is working? Uh, well, duh, right? I mean, he didn't change his physique when he won the Tour of California several years ago, uh, when that ended up on Mount Baldy, which was quite the nasty climb, and he held in there. He didn't change his physique at Toronto Adriatico, I want to say around 2014. It's a great stage. It was one that helped me predict that he would be actually able to win the Tour of California and hold on on the Mount Baldy stage because he hung on with Chris Horner and Nibali in this really nasty climbing uh, stage, uh, and he was able to do that. I remember a journalist like this also reaching out and um, wondering about when Davis Finney was uh, a Davis uh, his son Taylor Finney was turning pro, and could he be the next guy? Could he turn himself into a GC contender? And I, and I wonder what the we all want these guys because they're they're show as juniors maybe this Evan Pohl right? I don't know how he is, but he's able to destroy everybody as a junior. We'll see how that relates over into it as being a a pro and a full adult. But you know like. Uh, Taylor Finney is not going to turn himself into a GC rider, although you see, did see a transformation of some famous ones here. Uh, Lance Armstrong, you might have heard of him. Uh, Laurent Jalabert. Laurent Jalabert goes from winning the green jersey as one of the better sprinters to, the. I think he won the polka dot jersey. And I know he was doing it in a way of you know sniping some races, going, getting in breaks, and, and, but he was climbing. We know why those guys... I, it's hard to say. No, it's not hard to say. It's not hard to say that Laurent Jalabert was not a climber and somehow he turned into one. So maybe you have these journalists that think that riders can legitimately transform themselves into that. Uh, I don't doubt that Sagan could do something about himself uh, to really, if he really focused. I don't think he would ever be that kind of rider. Um, just, just out there. So I, I just kind of want to say I think it's insane, uh, this, the state of our cycling media perhaps, uh, to even pose those questions. And as soon as I saw that with Bella News, it just made me shake my head and roll my eyes. Uh, that's, is that a clickbait? Maybe that's a clickbait. All right. Well, speaking of crazy stuff and things that make me go, hmm, I'm going to talk about that here. New, newly crowned world champion Alejandro Valverde. Uh, he stated in cyclingnews.com, uh, I just saw this uh, this morning, it said, Spaniard, the head, headline was, Spaniard says people who talk about his doping past are clueless. Yeah. So, newly world champ, and maybe you don't know much about his doping past because he seems to be embraced by throngs in Spain. And, you know, we saw this with Contador, too. When he retired, you know, he had lost a, uh, a Tour de France title. And he is still just lauded as the greatest thing uh, since sliced bread over there. Paella, maybe since warm paella. I don't know what's, what's a good Spanish dish. 
Uh, but let's go through a little bit of Valverde and why he's even a controversial figure in my mind. And but and then kind of go back to why he thinks he is not. So June of 2010, he got a two-year ban. It was backdated to the start of that year and it ran to the end of 2011. And what was it for? It was for his implication in Operation Puerto. What was Operation Puerto? Well, that was where the doctor, uh, Emi, Efemiano Fuentes, in 2006, he had his offices raided and a bunch of these blood bags uh, seized. Uh, many cycling names were linked to the notorious doctor, including, well, there was also, uh, I want to say, soccer and some other sports as well. But you had Tyler Hamilton had talked about him going there, and I think there was a blood bag mix-up, which caused him to get sick in the Vuelta, and that's kind of what brought all this whole thing to, to pass it. Uh, as well. So Valverde was one of those guys. And what you had was the UCI opened up an inquiry. Uh, Valverde, he was cleared by the Spanish Association and a Spanish judge. <clears throat> yes, that's true. However, in 2008, the Tour de France then crossed into Italy. And when he they crossed into Italy, they took a blood sample. And that blood sample was then matched to the DNA blood bags from the good Spanish doctor. Um, now, Italy then moved to ban him. And in 2009, well, let's go back. So they're, they're going to try to move. And, and the UCI, when they opened up this inquiry, after he had been cleared by the Spanish judge, the Spanish judge then says, uh, or does an order to have all the blood bags destroyed. Okay, that's, that's crazy, but that's what happened. UCI had to go in and do like an emergency injunction to actually stop that from happening so that they could later on test those. So then they have those under their keep. Now, the Tour de France, like I said, uh, Valverde in 2008 gets uh, a blood sample taken when he's in Italy because that was there's some fear there. And, and we mentioned that before about how this whole um, association came about for the writers' union because Italy was taking these strong stances and the writers were actually refusing to get blood tested and doping tests. Anyway, they go into Italy and Italy takes a blood test. They match it up with these, these uh, things and then... Um, they basically want to move action on him, uh, Italy themselves. And I believe uh, doping is a criminal offense there, so they would be able to lock you up. With that, 2009 comes around. The Tour de France is going to once again venture into Italy. Valverde decides to not even do the tour for fear of being captured by the Italians. So this guy is so clean and honorable, he won't do the Tour de France, which is a big race, because he is worried he's going to be um, extradited or, or captured when he goes over there. Okay, so he doesn't do it. He doesn't do that race. Then the UCI did move to ban him. Like I said, they had emergency stay on all these blood bags, and they found him guilty uh, through the matching of the DNA to the blood bags of uh, Dr. Fuentes. So that that's a little different than getting a positive test, and that's where you have a problem with Lance Armstrong. Always had said, "Look, I've passed all these tests." Well, I think we look back and we see what in Swiss two thousand uh, blank on the year two thousand two maybe. Uh, where he had a positive test that's come out, and then there was a donation to the UCI, da, 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 da. so maybe he didn't pass all those tests. But I don't know that Valverde was ever tested positive other than these blood bags being matched to the Dr. Fuentes. Either way, here's some of his comments. Um, I'll just leave you with these few comments that he made uh, just recently, I think it was Wednesday, doing the Milano Torina. And he said, Operation Puerto is something I shouldn't be asked about, he said bluntly. That's water under the bridge, and I don't even want to talk about it. I believe I've sufficiently demonstrated who I am since then. Who asks me about proper? Who asks me about Operation Puerto is clueless. Asked about the rainbow jersey and how that makes him 
an important figure and symbol in the sport, he said. That's for sure. Being world champion is important for whoever it might be. Okay, and we'll leave it at this. Uh, basically, him to come out, he never did take ownership at the time. And I think that's part of the problem. He never took ownership of it at the time. He fought it continuously. They had to backdate it uh, even as it was. Uh, the Spanish had cleared him. It's fully a cultural thing where it doesn't seem to be a problem. And look, the hypocrisy is is maybe my – well, there's a few things that are a problem. One is the hypocrisy because when Froome is – and I'm not defending Froome. I'm just pulling out the differences you have here. But when Froome is going through this testing of his pharmacokinetic issue with salbutamol, uh, you know, the Spanish are not treating him very lightly. He should not be racing these – he should not be doing these races. You know, we don't even know if we want him in the Vuelta. Uh, meanwhile, there's their guy who they've cleared – and they are willing to accept uh, with never any acknowledgement and thinking that he's just um, without blame. So anyway, it's 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 an interesting situation. And I think it goes to the point of, uh, you know, look, he did serve his time. It's perfectly fine. He's back into it. But to actually say that uh, he shouldn't even be asked or that it's clueless to do so uh, when he never actually acknowledged this whole situation is a, is a bit much to take. Okay. Uh, lastly, on our day, on our issues for today is Quick Step. Um, they've been able to hook up a new financial sponsor. Uh, it's a B- Belgian window profile manufacturing, and, and I'm going to mess up this name, but uh, Disa Nunik. Uh, they'll be joining the team sponsorship from the next season. The team will now be the Disu Nink uh, Quick Step. Is this going to save Gaviria and Enric Masso? I mean, the rumors were that uh, Gaviria was going to, I want to say UAE, UAE, uh, Enric Moss, who did great in the Vuelta. I think he was, was he third? Was he on the podium? Uh, second or third? That he was going to be going away as well. They were going to dump these contracts basically because they weren't able to afford it. Now they get this influx, this new sponsor, which I'm, I'm thrilled that they're able to do so to keep a team around. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if it's enough to save those guys. Anyway, so that's, uh, thanks for joining in today. Once again, episode 89 of Between Two Wheels podcast. Check us out on our YouTube page, uh, also on iTunes. You know, give us, it's, it's real easy. You're there, you're listening to our show right now. Just go into the ratings, click one of those stars, then you give us a five star, even a little note right in. That does help our, our projections and, and help us get the show out there more. So we thank you for tuning in and have a good day.